Welcome to the Investor Coaching Show, a podcast to help you get an insider's view of the financial world and escape common investment traps. We look at the financial news of the day and help you make sense of it so you can relax about money. And here's your host, Paul Winkler. And welcome back to the Investor Coaching Show. I'm Evan Barnard. You know, we were talking about it's thankful, and we were talking about giving a little bit earlier, and uh, just wanted to bring this up because this had showed up in my Facebook feed, and uh, you know it's kind of interesting. We we start to have these new traditions in society. Some of it's technology driven, some of it's just changes in culture. Um, but in addition to Black Friday, and then I think you have like a small business. Saturday. Saturday. Yes. Uh, which is, you know, today. And uh, we also have now Giving Tuesday. Yes. And mm-hmm. so, you know, uh, this is the season for that. And uh, Giving Tuesday is a global generosity movement unleashing the power of radical generosity. It was created in 2012 as a simple idea, a day that encourages people to do good. Now, that sounds like a 2,000-year-old message to me, frankly, yeah. but, uh, but hey, you know, whatever. You know, so uh, join the movement, and it's the Tuesday after Thanksgiving, and it's just a simple idea. Do something uh, that's a giving to society. Now, it's not always financial either. No, but it, a lot of it is. What you'll find on that is a lot of charities to, are promoting that, and they're promoting links to Giving Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, for their particular charity, yep, and and it is a great. I think it's a great thing to. Um, I mean, if you're going to be uh, contributing anyway, this mm-hmm. is that time of year. This is a way for these charities to get their their message out, and right? Get people to think about them, mm-hmm. uh, and I I think it's a really great idea. Yeah, but you're right. There can be volunteer opportunities as well. Yeah, it could be it could be making your neighbor smile. Mm-hmm. You know, it could be uh, tipping somebody well at the diner. Any of those kind of things, and just you know, doing it intentionally. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will I will take the opportunity since it is Giving Tuesday to swerve into some of the creative ways that we work with clients mm-hmm. uh, to do their charitable giving. Um, and I think we all uh, get engaged with mm-hmm. clients in how to structure that. Sometimes it's to re- reallocate a portfolio very efficiently. Um, so you know, we have had some gains in the market this year, it's maybe still, you know, like back to where it was a couple of years ago, but depending on what you were doing in your portfolio, it could be that you have some appreciated stock at this point. Uh, and so this is a good time just to remind people, instead of selling that stock, paying the capital gains tax at whatever rate you're at, you know, 15, 20, or maybe zero, if you're in a lower income bracket, um, that you can donate that stock right, to the church right. or charity. Um, I've had, uh, I'd be interesting, uh, interested to know if you have similar conversations. A lot of times when I bring this up to clients, it's kind of the initial response is, well, that sounds like a good idea, but that just seems like it's going to be really complicated. Do you, do you get that feedback from people as well? Well, yeah, yeah, I think that's true, but I think that there's also a little hesitation of the letting go. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. As well. <laughs> 
Giving to the kids, certainly, yeah. there's <laughs> there's a hesitation. Yeah, but, in this, but there can be so many advantages to it. For sure. Yeah. Uh, and at least for this particular topic, we're talking about a gift that you would be planning on making anyway mm-hmm. uh, before you just write a check. Right. You know, look at, hey, maybe I have some appreciated securities. Yes, it might be an extra step mm-hmm. to contact the charity, basically find out where they have their account, if it's a large charity, chances are very good. They already have an account somewhere at a Charles Schwab or a whatever to handle those kind of gifts. Larger churches all have those. Foundations do too. Yeah, There's a lot of uh, foundations that you can donate to and then mm-hmm. they will, uh, if it's not a large enough amount that you'd start your own foundation, <laughs> yeah. you know, you can um, put that in with a lot of other people's. Yeah. Uh, money and do a lot of good that way yeah. and get a great t- tax deduction. A lot of times the custodians have a simple form that you fill out instead of, you know, filling out the distribution form of send it to me. You just fill out a form that says transfer these shares to XYZ charity. Mm-hmm. Well, what's the benefit? Well, you get the value of that charitable gift up to, I, uh, I honestly can't remember if it's dropped back to 50% from 60% mm-hmm. during covid uh, but let's just say at least up to 50% of your income, uh, you can take that donation. Uh, and the charity doesn't pay any tax. And so right. you just, you know, basically you disinherit the government. Why do they do that? Because they want you to help a charity. Then the government doesn't have to fill that gap. Um, you know, one of the other things that we talk with clients often about is qualified charitable distributions. Mm-hmm. And so that is simply making a donation out of your IRA. Now you have to be over 70 and a half to take advantage of this, but many people don't know you don't necessarily have to have a required minimum distribution. You know, that age is now 73, but you can still make a qualified charitable distribution above eight once you hit age 70 and a half. And it is equally as simple to take advantage of that. Simply, you know, you fill out a form that the thing you have to do is make sure that that check is made out to the charity. And uh, at some point, I think the government will figure this out technology-wise. But right now, uh, if you make a gift to charity out of your IRA, it just shows as a normal distribution on your 1099-R. When you get that, you know, into January, first part of February, it says, you know, you took $32,000 out and it's all taxable. Well, I thought I made a charitable gift. Well, you know, what's the deal? You just have to tell your tax preparer that you made the charitable gift and it's reconciled on your tax return. Um, I think down the road, they're going to end up having a code for that on the 1099. Yeah. I mean, I've heard no conversations about it. I think they'll eventually figure that out because that has stuck in the tax code. That seems to be a positive thing. Uh, yeah. The limit is $100,000. Uh, to take advantage of that. But it's one of the few double dips that we have left in the tax code for, you know, for uh, individual and married filers. You know, if you're not a corporation or a business owner, you get to reduce your income by the amount of that gift. And you still get to take advantage of your full standard deduction if you're not in a position to itemize. So there's always some ways to do that. Uh, You can also gift property yeah, I was just going to bring that yeah. up. There's, You can gift property or you can even put it in a conservation easement. That's another way to 
to get wow. a deduction. There you yep. go. Yep. Mm-hmm. You'd have to really work fast on Giving Tuesday to create a conser- well, <laughs> conservation yes, easement. <laughs> maybe that's not something you would do. You could call the attorney on Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, but, there's mm-hmm. all kinds of creative ways. Um, I was just going through, this is kind of the season where I go through the garage and go through my closet and, okay, what just doesn't fit anymore because Cindy's a good cook, you know, <laughs> and like, okay, I got to get rid of this jacket. Um, just anything. Uh, help out a family. Uh, Giving Tuesday isn't all about the tax deduction. Just to be real clear, it's about giving. It may just be taking a meal to somebody, you know, helping a family out that you're aware of. Doesn't mean you get a tax deduction. It just means you're thankful and you're going to be doing some giving. Uh, That's one of the things we love about 99.7 is, you know, we just finished uh, the Radiothon. Uh, for Nashville Rescue Mission. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we're in a very giving community. I think they raised almost quarter mil. I don't know what the final number was. The uh, I know last number I saw was like 243,000, but that was before some of the other uh, data had come in. And so, you know, giving's a big thing around here. Take advantage of it. And uh, that's going to be kind of an exciting deal going on. Um. Interestingly enough, I was listening to – well, actually, let's circle back uh, from last hour. Mm-hmm. We were talking about pay raises and things yeah. like that. What were some of the other tips in that article that seemed to uh, kind of jump out? It's um, Well, um, it, the article was – and this is, again, let's see. The, the pay raise people say they need to be – say the pay – raise people say they need to be happy and uh they were basically saying in largely every demographic no matter what your uh job or your earnings are it, they were saying 50 percent is what would make them happy wow and uh interestingly enough this was even people who were millionaires people who had over two hundred thousand, or uh, lower income people, it really kind of didn't matter. But what they were saying was, um, is of course, what we've been somewhat talking about is money doesn't buy happiness. Right. So there's this perception of people that, oh, if I just get to this income level, whatever yeah. that happens to be, right. then I'll be happy. That will be life-changing. Now, that can be true to a certain extent, Mm -hmm. obviously, if you can't pay your bills, you know. But um, what they're saying in the article is um, there's really other ways for you to be happy Mm -hmm. than just get a large raise, which, (laughs) I don't know, I've never had a 50% raise. I don't know about you. (laughs) I don't know people that do. So I, and the employers aren't, aren't really planning on it according to the surveys. So it might be a better idea to get back to giving Mm -hmm. and put priority to time Mm -hmm. and other ways that can lead to happiness. Okay, yeah. So, um, you know, and there's an article, another article um, by Harvard. All right. Yeah. And it said, giving thanks can make you happier. Yeah. So, I mean, we're in a holiday season. Mm -hmm. We just had Thanksgiving. And I don't know about you, but um, 
in my family, a lot of times we go around and ask people what they're thankful for. Sure. Uh-huh. But you can do this, of course, at any time. And this article is talking about how it actually makes you healthier and it can help with things like sadness, anxiety, depression. And basically what it is, is you're giving gratitude Mm -hmm. and gratitude is something you should practice that can help actually make you feel happier, make you focus less on the money. Sure. Which, I mean, you may never get to that $500,000 salary that you think that you want. Maybe you will, and that would be fabulous if you do, right? But but it's not all about the $500,000 salary. You know, know. I I think many times we find that it's the free things Mm -hmm. or the things that don't cost us anything tangibly that actually have the greatest impact. Right. Our happiness. Right. And that's what this article, there was actually a study where they had two groups of people where they asked the one group to write daily about what they'd been grateful for during the week Mm -hmm. and the other group about what irritated or displeased them. And a third one about just things that weren't necessarily positive or negative. And after 10 weeks, those who wrote about gratitude were more optimistic and felt better about their lives. And they exercised (laughs) more and went to the doctor less. So how does that get back to finances? Well, if you're healthier, Mm -hmm. you don't have to spend as much money in, you know, your advanced age on physicians. That's going to affect your finances sure. and your quality of life. And if you're grateful for what you have, mm-hmm. you're less inclined to get something else, you know, and things right. aren't bad. That's right. not the point of these things at all. No. You know, nice car, nice watch, nice house, you know, good vacation. None of that's good or bad. Right. It just doesn't guarantee happiness. The thing that I think often people fail to consider where and why gratitude mm-hmm. or, uh, those kinds of activities contribute to happiness as opposed to just a pay raise mm-hmm. is if they got a 50% pay raise mm-hmm. in the same survey, if you ask them, would you like to pay 50% more for a dozen donuts? Would you like mm-hmm. to pay 50% more for your car? Would you like to pay 50% more, you know, for the next iPhone I'm going to guess the responses would be largely no. Right. <laughs> we That's don't want to. That's an interesting to. point too. <laughs> you know, yes. and so that money has to come from somewhere. Right. That means the business owner had to raise costs and raise prices mm-hmm. enough to cover that wage mm-hmm. and the social security on top of that wage and, you know, the workman's comp and all those things that, you know, a 50% raise is a 60% Increase to the business. And that's typically the highest expense of a business is is its HR costs. Right. And, you know, and so very few people want to live with the consequences of them and their friends all getting a 50% raise, but they're thinking that will make them happy. Right. Oh, now I've got, you know, 150,000 instead of 100,000, but eggs are $22 a dozen. I don't (laughs) feel any happier. Right, you know, right, and so it's those non-monetary things, your relationships. Mm-hmm. Uh, thinking about that study, and you know, just think about the next take 
take the next week mm -hmm. and in your Facebook feed, share all the positive memes that you see and just unfollow any of the negative memes that come through your feed <laughs> and just see what happens. You probably the wouldn't have too many uh, you know, things in your feed anymore. Yeah. <laughs> All it'll be for me is financial ads. Although I, I Googled, uh, I don't know, I was Googling log cabins or something. And so now I'm getting all these ads for house plans. So that's a blessing. At least it's not all an annuity workshop or what whatnot, you know. So we'll, uh, we're glad to uh, move on from, from that. But, you know, take advantage of that uh, and take the week and uh, jot down the things that you're grateful for and see how your week plays out. Uh, see if your kids are a little bit nicer or well-behaved. You know, see if you get along with that neighbor better. Uh, yeah, gratitude is, you should work on it. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's it's a mental exercise that it gets easier and easier and more automatic yeah. When, yeah. when you do it. Practice thankfulness. Yes. Thanks for tuning in to the Investor Coaching Podcast. Now, you may be one of these people that's been listening and realizing, wow, investing, there's a lot more to it than meets the eye and financial planning tax laws constantly changing and recognizing that maybe you might need some help in this area, but you don't want just anybody to help you out. So we have 10 offices in the Middle Tennessee area and everything we do is fee only. We align our interests with your interests. So you can get an initial 15 minute phone call with any one of our offices just by going to paulwinkler.com forward slash call. That's it. Every one of the offices is run by somebody with 20 plus years experience. They're all degree planners. They all have academic backgrounds in investing and you can get the help that you need. So if you want to set up a complimentary phone consultation, just go to paulwinkler.com forward slash call. And we look forward to seeing you soon. And welcome back to the Investor Coaching Show. I'm Evan Barnard filling in for Paul as he goes to wow another audience with his drum playing prowess sitting here with Ann Swosky. Um, ran across an article uh, in Money Wise and it was hedge your portfolio against inflation by investing in commercial real estate. And the entire article kind of read like an advertisement. I don't think it was, but the way it the way it was written almost sounded like it was one of these articles that every once in a while I get these in the mail that looks like a newspaper and it's always promoting, you know, oil stocks or oil and gas, this or that. And every article seems to point you towards buying this stock in XYZ, you know, resource company says, get in on investments with major national brands like Whole Foods and Walmart. Uh, it's an article by Dana Sitar. Amid skyrocketing inflation and the uncertain economy, smart investors, here we go, are looking to diversify their investments outside of the stock market. Commercial real estate has long been touted as a wise investment for adding stability to your portfolio, outperforming the S&P 500 over a 25-year period. No reference to the data there, but that'd be an interesting one to see. But commercial real estate has always been reserved for a few elite investors until now. And XYZ, in this case, First National Realty Partners, allows individual investors like you to access institutional quality commercial real estate investments without the legwork of finding deals for yourself. 
So just initially, before we even get into the investment aspects of commercial real estate, what is usually involved from your side of the equation if somebody else is doing the legwork <laughs> for a deal? <laughs> They're usually going to make most of the money. <laughs> <laughs> These people aren't going to do this for free, are right. they? Right. <laughs> you know, so we want to fortify and enhance our, our portfolio with the commercial real estate. Here's actually why I wanted to cover this is because a lot of times people don't think about this. Investors own a share of institutional quality properties from national brands like Whole Foods, CVS, Kroger, and Walmart, uh, you know, which provide essential goods for their communities. Well, it's interesting the way these are written and a lot of – and back in the day, I sold REITs. Uh, listed and unlisted real estate investment trust. Uh, back then, they typically had about a seven or eight percent commission. I mean, this is you know <laughs> thirty years ago at this point, twenty five years ago. Um, and you know, oh, we've got this nice distribution, this nice yield and cash flow. Well, a lot of those started to have problems over the last couple of years as interest rates increased, and a lot of these properties couldn't meet. Their obligations. There's been a lot of bankruptcies and so forth, and some, you know, big like whole neighborhoods and entire shopping centers. But here's what jumped out at me: I have to invest in this real estate to take advantage of things going on at Whole Foods, CVS, Kroger, and Walmart. Right. That was the first thing I thought about. It was well, when you own stock in those companies, they own. <laughs> The real estate yeah. already, so right. you don't have to go and invest in the real estate. You already own it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And you know, it's you, redundant. It is. Yeah. You're you're overweighting a category mm -hmm. that uh, unless you're uh, improving the real estate, mm -hmm. there isn't a cost of capital, mm -hmm. and you're already getting that exactly with the stocks. You know, right. if if Kroger opens three new stores, okay, that takes property and I participate in the, the the profit or, you know, the decline of Kroger's, you know, how they go or Walmart or whoever. And, you know, so you, you think about that. A lot of times uh, people will look at a portfolio and say, well, hey, how come how come we don't have commodities in here? How come we don't have real estate in here? All we have are stocks and bonds and this kind of stuff. And it is already there. Mm -hmm. It's just, as you said, you were not doubling down on commodities we have the companies that my you know uh not mine oil refine and you know get extract oil out of the ground refine it turn it into gasoline or you know nylon hoodies or whatever they do you know coal companies that mine the coal process it gold is you know we have both gold mining companies as well as you know a lot of times i don't think genesis is publicly traded but you know Jewelry stores that are publicly traded access gold as an everyday raw material for them. You have exposure to all of those kinds of things when you own the stock right. of the company. Well, and I used to sell commercial real estate. Okay, yeah. In my prior life. Uh-huh. And um, so they would do this as this is how they would market it is, oh, um, there's a a Walgreens going in on this corner and mm -hmm. you can buy the lease or a post office. There's any number of things. Yeah. And it, you will get this stream of income and it's very safe because those companies really never 
end up going out of business. They never leave that <laughs> location, et cetera. But then, I mean, I can just think in the last few years of how many CVSs aren't around anymore and right. how many, and there actually have been closing post offices and, 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 and even Walgreens locations that seemed so very safe. Mm -hmm. All you're doing is you're putting your eggs in a very small little basket yeah. with lack of diversification. So if that location closes, you are really in trouble. Right. And these REITs, I have a client right now who um, just found out that a part of her portfolio can't be moved because yeah. that REIT is not... Um, Illiquid is the yes, term we use. Yeah. Yes. So, I mean, there's things to consider with these. They make it mm -hmm. sound very good. Yep. And, and people can make money in real estate, but they also... I always say real estate works until it doesn't. Right. <laughs> and well, then it doesn't know, work frankly, well that's, at all. That's every investment, <laughs> yes. right? At least if you're stock picking, it, yeah. it works that way. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it's uh, thinking about the, the REIT issue. Uh, one of the problems with accessing real estate from the ownership side as mm. opposed to within the stock of a company is one of our fundamental things that we teach is the ability to rebalance mm -hmm. your portfolio when asset categories move. You sell the pieces that have done well, sell enough of those to get back to your target allocation and use those funds to buy whatever has underperformed or just hasn't grown as quickly. And when you're, when you're in a REIT, a real estate investment trust, or even you have individual property as an investment, and not if you're, if you're in the business of Real estate, it's a very different conversation. Mm -hmm. But for a portfolio, you can't liquidate 22% of your REIT to rebalance if, you know, something goes up. You're just kind of stuck. We have that right. illiquidity problem. Uh, and that's one of the challenges that people have with mm -hmm. fixed annuities. Mm -hmm. A lot of times, same thing. They view that as, well, I'll use that as the bond in my portfolio, and then I'll have all these other equities on this outside but you have the challenge of rebalancing. You can't necessarily get into that without a penalty or, you know, tax consequences and so forth. Um, but it was interesting, just kind of that entire article did read like an ad for a new real estate investment trust. And uh, you don't have to get that complicated just by the company. They already own real estate. And so, uh, you know, keep that in mind. Liquidity is always a thing because we want to be able to rebalance. Hey, this is Paul Winkler. Hope you enjoyed today's edition of the Investor Coaching Show. If you want to learn more about what we do, go to our website, paulwinkler.com. You can watch some of the videos there. And if you're not already a client, you can set up a free initial consultation. Until next time, I'm Paul Winkler reminding you that I believe that more educated investors are more confident investors and confident investors are more successful investors. Have a great one. Advisory services offered through Paul Winkler, Inc., an SEC-registered investment advisor. The opinions voiced and information provided in this material are for general informational purposes only and not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine what investments are appropriate for you, please consult with a financial advisor. Paul Winkler, Inc. does not provide tax or legal advice. Please consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your particular situation.